I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggle. It's okay, that's part of the deal. It's how I respond to it. Welcome to the Limitless Athlete Podcast by Mindset Rx. I'm your host, Tom Foxley. You're listening to The Debrief, where myself and Rachel Burnett, our head coach, will discuss the key lessons and insights gleaned from the Limitless Athlete Podcast with Carl Powley. You can listen to this show in isolation as a kind of distillation of the major points of the interview with Carl, or you can listen to the interview and follow it up by listening to this podcast. It's your choice. Now, let's get on with the show. So, Rachel, let's start out with whatever you want to bring out first. Oh, man, it was really hard to select. This was such a great episode. But the first thing that really came, that really resonated with me was the way that Carl talked about parenting. So just to remind us, what he said is that a child is an individual, And that individual is modeling and learning to regulate themselves based on the influence of the parent. And what came to my mind immediately was this is the same role that coaches play for their athletes. Every athlete is an individual and the coach's job as a coach is to teach them how to regulate themselves and model behavior that they want to see in their athletes. It's a huge responsibility to be a parent. It's a huge responsibility to be a coach. Very nice. What does this look like? Or what should what should our athletes be aware of? Like, let's let's hit this from two perspectives from uh, from both like, okay, from the athlete's perspective and the coach's perspective. What does an athlete need to be aware of in regards to this coach um, athlete relationship or parent child relationship? Mm, I think that's a really good question. The thing I would say athletes need to be aware of as they're, as they're developing and, and going through the process of building a relationship with their coach is a constant assessment of what it is that they're picking up from their coach. Are they picking up qualities that are helping them achieve what they want to achieve? Or are they potentially picking up qualities that are non-serving? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to like, reel through all the coaches that I've experienced as well you kind of get a feeling when you're around coaches right like do I want to emulate this type of person do I want to be around them do I want like do they represent the ideal that I'm trying to become or to realize yeah yeah and I think a lot of that happens on a subconscious level like there are people that we connect with and there are people that we just don't connect with Mm. what I what I see consistently in coaches, because I've actually done a lot of coach development with CrossFit coaches, what I see pretty consistently is that athletes connect with coaches that are authentically themselves, that feel really comfortable with who they are. And they have a harder time connecting with coaches who are putting up a front or trying to fit into some kind of role that they think they're supposed to fit into. 
Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And okay. like that really reflects the biggest challenge that I ever had in coaching was yeah. holding in mind this image of what a coach should be, which was yeah. like, I suppose I'd, I'd look around at um, coaches that influenced me a lot, like um, Julian Pinot was a big one, um, Logan Galbraith, um, even the yeah. seminar staff at my my level one, like all yeah. these people that I kind of I knew and I'd like I held them as like, oh, this is what I've got to be like in order to be successful, whatever successful. Yes. Um, yes. And I think that's probably a good part of it. Like, I'm recognizing in that person an ideal to develop into and um, and something to emulate, and that's why we have we have this kind of concept of hero worship. Like, I I love like they they represent the potential of humankind. So it's like that's great mm. that you're working towards that. But when it becomes a recipe or a prescription for success and like, it's like, okay, I'm now following their method, then it becomes a bit funky. And the, that all led to me trying to put on a front, like I've got to appear yes. this way if they're going to respect me or if I'm going to be liked. So then it comes into like the whole, okay, is this just a vulnerability thing? Can I be myself? This is crazy. I experienced the same thing. I almost quit CrossFit coaching a couple of years in because I, I had this sense that I was supposed to be like the people I admired. And so I was trying to be like them and I felt really disconnected from who I was. My classes were terrible because I wasn't having fun and being myself. So I almost quit coaching. That's crazy. What kept you in it? Ooh, uh, maybe you don't know this. Uh, you did. I didn't know that. You wow. didn't. So, I'm so, glad uh, did. so, so you and I connected right around the time that this was happening. I was feeling really stuck in my career. I didn't know where I wanted to go next. I knew that what I was doing was not what I wanted to be doing. I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't know what I did want to do. Wow. That, that's really touching. Thank you. What a time to, to air it as well. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm live. really, really glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm, live, live, live. And I'm really glad I did. Like truly, really glad I did. Um, Same. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy the serendipity of that. Ah, uh, isn't it? It's just nuts. Yeah, that is crazy. Totally. Um, <laughs> what kind of coaches were you trying to emulate? What did you look up to when you were thinking about like, okay, this is the um, the kind of the example that I want to set by, and then or an example that I, I see as a good thing to aim at, and then what kind of front was coming up? Yeah. So, um, one of, one of my favorite seminar staff members is Chuck Carswell. He has this very, uh, like calming and soothing presence. Um, he's funny, but not distracting. So he hits that really good balance of being able to like, keep things moving while also like engaging people and getting them to like smile and relax. And, yeah, I, whenever I watch videos of him coaching seminars, I'm just like, ah, oh, this guy, he's, he's just so great. So it was him. And when I try to be, uh, calm, what that comes across as is me like putting up a wall. I wouldn't say that I'm a hyperactive person, but I am energetic. And any of my athletes listening to this will laugh and, and say that energetic is understating it. So, so, so me like putting up a front is me kind of like pushing myself down when I allow myself to bring my normal energy that I want to bring, uh, then that's, 
that feels great to me and it feels great to my athletes too. Nice. Yeah. I like that a lot. I really, really yeah. like that. Um, yeah. I think, but I like, still love Chuck. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, yeah. It's just so interesting yeah. to hear. Like, we we seem to put on the front that we think protects us. Like that's that's what I was doing anyway. It was like this yes. suit of armor, almost like the knowledge that I could accrue would be protective of my vulnerability. Something yes. that it's like okay, knowledge is a, is a yeah. You gather up certifications and uh, talk and talk during classes about mechanics and use really big words. And that's your armor. Yes, exactly. If I yeah, use some big words, totally. then like everyone's going to know how brilliant I am and no one's going to exactly. secretly see the, the gooey, mushy inside that's vulnerable. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Yeah. But people respond to vulnerability. Yeah. It's a very human thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. when, when you see it, it's like, oh, finally, someone's expressed the, um, the kind of the thing that I feel. Mm. And coach, that's such a powerful, like what you're trying to do is connect with people. You're trying to yes. like, create that engagement, that trust between each other. And it's that vulnerability yes. leading to trust. And if you can show mm. you're perfect, then like, and that's, that's the way, that's a way to connection. Yeah. Well, and vulnerability is like being willing to own our mistakes, but also just to own who we are as people. And that includes the good things that maybe don't fit into the mold of what we are telling ourselves a good coach is like. Mm. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a lot to that. And so I, that kind of vulnerability, kind of expressing your most authentic self was, I think, something that Carl spoke about so well. Yes. I kind of... So I'm, well. Like part of this is as you grow as a coach, as you grow as, a, as an athlete as well, you leave behind this old mold of identity of like, this is how I'm supposed to act. And like, once again, that has created this kind of, this armor, this predictability, this structure for this is how I'm supposed to act in this occasion. Then I get these results. But eventually you outgrow that and yeah. you become a, a kind of, you aim at something different. You aim at something maybe grander, something more in line with you want to be. And you have to drop that identity of I am this type of person along with all the stability, all the security, all the safety that goes along with it. And it's like, okay, like that is a daunting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's daunting and liberating. Yeah, it can be. If you have that relationship with yourself and you're forgiving yeah. to, and compassionate, I think is probably the right word. I agree for sure. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You, you brought up, um, you brought up something else that Carl was talking about. Are we going to talk about that today? That, that like authenticity? Yeah, let's go into that. Yeah. Was that in your points as well? It, I mean, I highlighted so much from this episode. So yes. (laughs) Okay. Right. So yeah, I was like, that was really the jumping off point that I had in mind. That kind of, that willingness to let your past self go. And even on an athlete basis, as we grow like we now become okay maybe i'm going to be more professional or i'm going to um commit to this on a deeper level maybe it's kind of the opposite maybe i'm going to have more fun and take things less seriously um and again like to kind of go into that model of this is how i think things should be this like kind of ultimate goal like quite often we look at for example so many athletes that are kind of decent about it look at 
Matt Fraser tear to me and they're like yeah. that is how I have to be but that's not true that's how they have to be to get yes. there whereas yes. they ha- you have to find out what your authentic expression of your truest self is which like that's a load of a load of shit words because they don't kind of all put together it doesn't it's like a mess it's not helpful yeah, yeah. right but yeah like, how, how can we unpack that a bit um we yeah. Need to, yeah go on. like how would you unpack that Rachel before I just answer my own question unpacking how to find authenticity is the question yeah right? expressing the most authentic version of yourself I said something like that I mean, I think you have to first know more about yourself than you do already in order to get to that point, right? It's self-discovery. Yeah, so, and also trusting that what you feel and what your unique interest is, is valid and worthy and good enough to be accepted in society or the training environment you're in. You know... Yeah. And kind of going a little further with that, not even necessarily needing it to be valued and accepted by the environment that you're in, but feeling it so deeply in yourself that like, this is the only right thing that I can do. Mm. Yeah. Because you know, like when you are acting in in line with your true potential, like your true potential, not humanity's potential, but your specific yes. potential. Yes. It feels like you're on stable ground. It feels like you're on stable footing. And um and it feels like, okay, yeah, I can predict what's gonna happen. I, I feel like not, I'm, I don't use the word authentic, but grounded again. And that feels solid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and Carl talked about that. Yeah. And Carl talked about that. It it was it was having moments where you're thinking to yourself, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. But you have to give yourself the opportunity to find those. So you have to have the self-belief to step out of the comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And specifically with coaching as well, I think mm-hmm. it comes down to the part of it is identifying what you truly resonate with, not what the flavor of the month is. Um, yeah. I know that what truly resonated with me was like was not the mobility side of things that was being pushed at the time of my like coming into fruition as a coach like um Kelly Strutt's fantastic mobility world and what it's evolved into is fantastic and the the ready state is is, is brilliant resources like that pushed just like the go-to like this you have to be as a coach or I recognized it as that but what was way more important to me was like isolating what I felt was truly important to me or truly resonating with me or connected or what felt like play to me and mm. that combined with the traditional kind of care across it or the traditional kind of aura across it like together that created mindset rexed and yeah it's become that what um what inspired you to seek the things that resonated with you honestly it took me a long time like i yeah. i did go again like using that identity or that kind of that externalized view of success as a guide I did that for way too long and I would look mm-hmm. to Kelly Strait and always try and like I remember imitating his mannerisms and and stuff like that yeah. subconsciously just because I've watched those videos and like he was obviously yes. a great coach and then other coaches who came along um yeah like loads and loads of people that I just kind of thought okay that is what a good coach should be um mm-hmm. and then it felt 
I actually wasn't making any traction in my coaching world until I yeah. truly went like, you know what, like, fuck this. I, I can't live that way anymore. I've got to express who I really am and to go for what I'm interested mm. in. And there was no, there was no set path to follow. And that's what feels risky. Yeah. You create, you create your own path. Ah, uh, there's a, there's a quote about that, uh, along the lines of, if you can see the path in front of you, then it's not your path. Yes. Yes. There's someone else. You, you like find it. <laughs> exactly. You find your path one step at a time. Yeah. And there's the, yeah. oh, who is it? There's, um, John Peterson always talks about the story. Um, it is King Arthur's round table, I think, um, okay. where, like his advice to all the knights of the round table for finding the Holy Grail, which is obviously a representation of your ideal and your potential, is to enter the, enter the woods, the place that you find darkest. So the place that you cannot see in front of you, the place that is like potentially most treacherous to you and kind of undermines what you kind of, or is the most risky to you, but feels mm. like the right fall. So that's like a, an interesting aside on that. Oh yeah. I have to think about that more. <laughs> I have to sit yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting yeah. one. It's a really interesting It is, yeah. Um, part of the, the notes that I made around that, um, that authenticity piece was this idea that Carl was letting go of his reputation when he moved on from gymnastics world. And that yes. can be a big thing for the, like for, for your self-image too. Oh yeah. Yes. Repu reputation can feel like everything mm. when you're, I think, especially when you're in a leadership position, if you're, it, the sense is if I, earn a negative reputation I can't do my work mm. why do you think that is I think it stems from attaching to what other people think about us as the path to happiness or fulfillment yeah that's an interesting point because it's not as simple as completely disregard what other people think of you and only do what right. you want because there's like some societal norms are there for a reason. It's like put some clothes yes. on. That's, that's yeah, a societal right. norm that's there for a reason. Like you can't just walk around naked. Um, Rachel, you can't walk around naked. Um, like, oh, fine. <laughs> um, like, and like, because there's that kind of, if we all do this and live by these rules, then like that, creates an stability that you can go and find your own um, creative expression. Mm, yes. Yeah. Creativity was such a big part of what Carl talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you yeah. see that? Where did you hear that from, from the conversation? You know, what's, what's immediately coming to me is the way that he journals. So Mindset RX has a journaling practice that's part of our testing phase. And, uh, we encourage people for the most part to use stream of consciousness journaling because that's the easiest way to uncover the thoughts that stem from the beliefs that are limiting our potential. But he does mind mapping, right? Which, which is another tactic that I love. Um, and I, th I think I read that he'll also draw sometimes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I love, I love the freedom that he gives himself to feel what he needs in any given day and allow himself to do that thing, knowing that that's an authentic expression of 
what he needs in order to get the value from his journaling practice. Mm, lovely. And like, mm. what's what's nice about that is obviously Carl worked with us for um, twelve weeks. Like, I, I coached yeah. him on, on journaling, and what he yeah. did was he, for about eight weeks he used the exact structure that I provided and then yeah. he integrated his own personal take on it and nice. it was like okay now you've got it now you can move with it but he, like he took some time again dropped the, the ego aspect of like um of like potentially oh I know how to do this like I've already been here and he learned what he yeah. could from me and then brought it into his other um elements that were already there Yes. Yeah. Oh, that flexibility and adaptability is so important when we're, when we're on a, when we're on a journey. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, again, that combination of like structure and what we know works plus venturing into the unknown, which is exactly what yes. we do when we find our best athletic performances is like, yes. and, and this actually, this, this links in so nicely to Carl's like best athletic performance. Do you remember him saying about he yes. went from a standard um kind of simple routine he possibly could and he absolutely nailed it. And that's probably because he was venturing into the unknown a bit. But there was the stability of like I'm absolutely nailing this this process. I know mm. what doing, but I can almost give it a bit more because of that. So we have the um we have the structure, we have the known and the unknown. Yeah, flow state occurs when we have the appropriate challenge skills balance. And what it sounded like to me from that competition experience was that he went in with some non-serving beliefs anyway about his preparedness, uh, influenced by his coach, interestingly, for this conversation. And so his challenge skills balance may have been fine for the routines he had been planning if he had had the self-belief going in, but because he didn't, adapting and doing something simple allowed him to like empty himself of mental chatter. He could just like be in the moment. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And the that word emptiness is quite interesting. Yeah. That's the yeah. word that we like together, Carl and I kind of found that's like that represents that feeling. It's like, okay, I'm not like, yeah, there's gonna be mental chest that pops up occasionally. You're gonna feel emotion, yeah. but it's that kind of that space that you create in order to distance yourself from it. And I don't mean complete detaching, but observing it as yes. a as a phenomenon yes. rather than a um rather than like a thing that I'm absorbed and like enraptured by. Mm, yes. Mm. Yeah. That's a skill. Yeah. I suppose it's what, yeah. what we're working towards, like what, what we're yes. guiding towards. It is a skill. It's really, really hard. Like when society yeah. is so in, enraptured within its and captivated by its mental states and drawn about and kind of yes. thrown from left to right by the way that, we feel to go your own way and say, you know, what, I'm going to stand back from emotion and not let it disrupt me. Is it, is it kind of an authentic or a kind of is a step towards authenticity. And therefore yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting. You bring up emotion because I remember hearing him talk about it and it's, it's easy to almost interpret this conversation as, as being like emotions are bad. Try not to feel them, but it's actually the opposite. Like suppressing emotion is bad and does not work. <laughs> yeah. 
it's yeah. it's just letting it happen but not as you said becoming absorbed by it like okay, the emotions so, are neutral yeah what what kind of emotions are getting in the way of athletes where do we see this coaching and we yeah. kind of see it when we look around competitions and training environments like what, what do you see mm, frustration comes to mind first uh and um the word that's coming to mind now is distraction, but that's not an emotion. It's more a state. So anxiety, yeah. I think would be the emotion behind it. Yeah. So uh, that lack of focus, self-consciousness is not quite an emotion. That's also a state, but those are, those are big ones that I see in training environments and in competition. Yeah. So we, what, what might happen? Cause like, Okay, so let's start at the emotion and build towards the behavior. So there's yeah. that emotion happening. What thoughts would, would kind of be recognized because they're a bit more obvious sometimes? Oh yeah, uh, lots of swearing often, right? Uh, I can't do this, I screwed up again. What are you doing? Self-anger, Yeah. yeah. right? Like self-directed anger. Yeah, and then what behaviors does that lead to? Oh boy. I, I think that can be different for everyone. Some people are emotive and will do things like throwing their jump rope on the floor or, um, or you'll, or you'll see it in the way that they start breathing. They'll kind of like, like a huff. Um, but I think a lot of people are really good at masking it and keeping it internal, but it's, but it's all it, in a way it's almost worse because then you're not seeing the way that it's affecting your performance. Like that frustration and self-consciousness may be happening completely internally, but that distraction makes it impossible to perform at your best. And the goal here is to be able to mm -hmm. recognize that emotional state before it becomes behavior and therefore affects the outcome that you're gonna get. Um, so it's like, oh, yeah. I feel frustration. And then leave it at that. Like that's yeah. the, so you don't chase it and kind of because sometimes like oh, I yeah. feel frustrated, which makes me feel this, which makes me think this, which and you kind of you follow that whole path mm. down. But if we can create that distance, that kind of that step back and that perspective, that's when we can yeah. generate a bit more, a bit more control, a bit more uh, yeah. and equanimity. Mm, lovely word. Yeah, um, yeah, that's what the we don't often hear, especially in an athletic mm. environment. You might, you might hear it yeah. reading the Tao Te Ching or if you've been okay, right. even, um, but like, what, what, how would you define that? Equanimity is the ability to weather the highs and lows of life, emotion in a steadfast and steady way. So the image that I think of when I think of equanimity is of a uh, mountain um, that's having high winds blowing at it and the mountain is just the mountain. It doesn't matter what's happening outside. It's, it is itself. Yeah. Okay, so we have this, um, resi resilience is a funny word for this because it, it almost okay. like gives you a, gives you an impression that you're I think fighting something maybe or that you're like yeah warrior yeah 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 exactly like you're, yeah. just, you're smashing down every emotion you feel but it's like the kind of that kind of I'm not affected by this or I can I can see it as a as a separate thing or a separate entity for myself I can see it as a phenomenon yeah. not as who I am or as a as yeah. a absolute part of reality mm, yes 
Yeah. And yeah, I don't have anything to add. Sweet. One thing that I wanted to explore um, yeah. is this idea of putting your world on display. Carl mentioned that. Like mm -hmm. he said something like, if you, oh, I've got the quote down here somewhere. Um, imagine your life put on display for the world to see. If there's anything that would make you feel uncomfortable, then that's, then you know that's what you need to work on. Oh, talk about walking into the darkest part of your forest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the, all the right? <laughs> quote unquote shameful parts of who you are, put them on display and see how the, like, imagine how the world would react. Boy, yeah. So things like, mm. you mentioned one, throwing your rope down. Um, oh, yeah. Things like. Yeah, um, stomping out of the gym. <laughs> nutrition habits. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Self-loathing, like the, the kind of the self-deprecating, putting yourself back. Self-loathing is a big one because we think that we're doing the right thing for ourselves by beating ourselves up for making mistakes, for continuing to, to self-sabotage, whatever, whatever the thing may be. But the underlying like self-loathing is so much more destructive than the self-sabotage itself. Why is that? it makes it impossible to, it makes it impossible to be authentic. And it, that means it makes it impossible to address the underlying reason that the self-sabotage is happening in the first place. Because if you hate yourself, you can't work on yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's an extra layer. There's an extra kind of, it's yeah. like painted on another layer of paint, which stops me getting on to the, the true depth. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I saw a similarity between what Carl mentioned there of like, if you put the world on display and what Matt Fitzgerald was talking about with benign shaming, um, that kind of like- Oh, yeah. Yeah, with, do you, you see that as well, right? Yes, that's a, that's a really nice, um, that's a nice balanced way of playing with that, of, of allowing ourselves to be inspired by other people who, and um, I think I mentioned this in that episode, but seeing someone else overcome something that we're going through builds self-efficacy. It gives us the ability to see, okay, I can do this because I'm seeing someone else do that. So that's allowed. Uh, it's just when it turns into you piece of crap, like that's, like that's the, or because yeah. I haven't done it yet or something like that. Yes. Yeah. That impatience, it has to be now or I'm failing. Mm, yeah, um, Naval Ravikant, who is my flavor of the month and probably flavor of the last three years. Um, okay. He has this this phrase like impatience with actions, patience with results. So you, when it comes down to actually doing something, it's like, okay, I'm going to just get shit done. Like, I, I need to prep my food. Okay, like, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to get it done. Um, I need to do some mobility. Okay, like, impatience, like, just do it right now. Like, stop pissing yeah. around, just do it. Um, I yeah. need to do my strength cycle okay i'm just going to get onto the barbell and start squatting yeah. but that does not apply to the results that you get um so it's like okay we need to some patience with the um and some some space between okay i need to do this mobility for three months or i need to do the squat cycle all the way through the 12 weeks of the program or like all the nutrition cut that man or whatever it is Yes, we'll talk about embracing the process, right? It, we we can set those internal boundaries of stop goofing off and do your mobility right now, Rachel. <laughs> this is it. This is a reminder for me later. Uh, so that's that's an important skill to have and tool to use for ourselves. But yeah, what you're saying is exactly right. 
you have to, you can't just, you can't be doing it for the results. That's yeah. an extrinsic motivation and it doesn't work. And to link back into the original conversation, that's where authenticity comes into it as well. Because like, yeah. if you're doing it for the, just purely for the results, then there's a chance that those results that you're seeking aren't completely in line with who you actually want to be and your unique skill set, your unique strengths, your individuality, which feels again like it's risky to not go down these tried and tested methods because like i look at the end result of tier i look at the the, the matt fraser's brent because every, yeah. every that, and i look at them like that's how i've got to be well no you've got to be you um your best version of you yeah preach it mm-hmm. so what else have you got to bring out like what what are the points from this we talked about reputation. I thought I thought that was um, I thought that was really really nice. So one of the one of the bigger parts of the episode was about intentional language, mm-hmm. and how being a being multilingual gives him even more tools to access exactly what he wants to say. But it's not only what he wants to say to others; it's also what we want to say to ourselves. And how we recognize what we're really feeling or recognize yes. that aims to describe something better. Oh, yes, for sure. And I think that's where a creative journaling practice can be really helpful because when I'm journaling personally, it's not me. Like there, it's all over the place. And I'm often repeating sentences over and over again because I'm trying to get to what feels like actual truth you'll often scratch the surface on the first attempt and then you get a little bit deeper and maybe you'll try something and okay, that's not quite what I mean. Like, let me try again. Like there are repeating sentences in almost all of my journal entries. Mm. This is why we write. Like this is like yes. this is why we get something out of our head. Um, I heard the example the other day, but if you wanted to say, you, say you're an architecture engineer and you, you want to build a bridge, you don't just think yeah. and just hold it in your head and then like go and do stuff and there's a bridge. You, you think yes. about it and then you like, then you write down some like rough sketches and then you go have yes. a conversation with someone else. And it's through that expression of it, putting it down in paper that you can create yeah. something real instead, instead of just holding something in my head, just trying to think that that's going to, to work through it. We need to like kind of iterate and, and put stuff down. 100% we write in order to understand, even as a writer, like I write to understand. I don't, I often don't know what my point is when I first start an article. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. writing to understand what my point is. Yeah, and that's exactly the same yeah. with journaling, which is why when yes. I personally see someone's journaling or a photo of someone's journaling, one of our athletes, for example, and it's meticulous handwriting and there's not yeah. a single swear word in there, that doesn't, that is not real. Like that is <laughs> who you actually are because like, <laughs> I, we are not perfect. You're doing that for someone else rather than for yourself. Yes. Yes. Which, you know, we recognize as a challenge because they are writing it for us when they're, when they're yeah. right. But it's fine. It is finding that balance of being legible enough for your coach to read you. And and being genuine to, to write, <laughs> write like crap. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. um, Yeah. I love that. So how, was there anything that you took from that point around like the intentionality of language and that you would Mm. apply or something maybe that you reinforced, um, reinforced something that you're already doing? 
Mm. Ask me that question again. Yeah, so that's probably this is an exact example of, of what we're talking okay. about, like using using language to go back and actually like create yeah. a sentence that's intelligible rather than just me bumbling through the English language and hopefully hitting the right words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anything but I have to do this well now. Was there anything um, from Carl's conversation, specifically his pieces around intentionality of language or language that reinforce something that you think is important or potentially change something mm. you're going to be doing? Mm. Uh, so reinforcing for sure that language matters in journaling. I can remember once filtering my journaling, but I caught it and I was very proud of myself for catching it. I was describing a situation and um, the way that I filtered described it was that really hurt my feelings. I realized that I filtered it. So I, so I went on to say, actually, it felt like a slap in the face. And that intentionality of language, like owning how upset I was about it, gave me the tools, it gave me the signal that this was something I really needed to address. If it just hurt my feelings, then it's on me and I need to get over it, right? Like work through it, but it actually required a conversation. That's interesting. Cause there's also the piece there of like that hurt my feelings. So this is something that happened to me and therefore I yes. was complicit in the event and therefore my oh. actions. Yeah. So that did it to me as opposed to I it felt like, which is like yeah. a statement because it did feel like that. Yeah. 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 It was more it was more truthful in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, if yeah. we go down the ultra realist path, that's yes. closer to, to becoming an ultra realist. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And being an ultra realist is also being really authentic. Yes, because you're mm. you're not allowing expectations of others or your interpretation of others to dictate who you are for sure yeah i think too intentionality of language for coaches is critically important mm. how so the way that we praise can be very loaded so if we go into class environments and praise athletes for extrinsic motivators like wow you're so strong uh oh you're really good at that wow you got that fast what we're communicating is I value how strong you are I value how fast you learn things I value I forgot what the other one I said was but we're, we're communicating our values when we praise so if instead we're intentional with our language and really think about okay I want to praise based on effort like why well, you worked really hard at that or I could tell that you were focusing like great job that's yeah. that's that intentional language helps athletes build a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset yeah and linking back into the parenthood thing and how we condition yeah. children that is an exact yes. representation of how we'll probably praise as a child for the the reward or for the outcome that we achieved like well done for getting that's this mark right. at school for being this type of person like it's no it's the the steps you took along the way the effort you put in yes you worked really hard at your homework yeah it's great praise you got an a is yeah rather than praise. you are clever you are smart like, yes are whatever yes exactly yes yeah because then of course mm, the yeah. that is if i don't achieve an a then i'm not smart and that's the, the exactly kind of 
hidden mechanism there. Yeah. And then intentionality with athletes, the way that they allow themselves to speak to themselves. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. So I'm going to pull out this, which is our game plan doc that I've been working on. Um, oh, yeah. For how to, how to like, how to essentially make every session count. I, when I was creating this, I was very, I put the smallest part um, of like self-talk to use, like the like very, very small, small like section for like to fill up that like, this is the self-talk that I'm going to use in this session because yes. we don't want to be overcomplicating this. We want to choose one or two phrases to use and just like, okay, I'm going to nail it now. Like this is going to be it. Um, and yeah. that is how to be more intentional with language rather than trying to master everything at once. Yes. I'm trying to have a perfect workout. That's literally not possible. Yeah. But what you can do is focus on one or two movement cues, give yourself some kind of like encouraging praise for how hard you're working and that you're, you're on the right path. And it's so much more effective than trying to have a perfect workout. Exactly. You can get a better workout than you could have done potentially before, but you're never totally. going to perfect. Never. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Cool. Do you have anything else that you wanted to bring up from Carl's interview? <sighs> That that feels so good to me. Mm -hmm. Me too. Right? I think that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to The Debrief, partner episode of the Limitless Athletes podcast. We'll be following up each episode with these quick and applicable summaries. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes with CrossFit Games athletes, coaches, authors, and other inspiring people who will help you find your next level of mindset growth and performance inside and outside of the gym. If you can leave a great five-star review and share the episode with your friends, then that would be awesome. So see you next week with another mindset-shifting interview and a debrief episode to follow up on.